Actually, I want to share something with you so you catch this. About three weeks ago, I don't know if you guys sensed it or if it was just me, but I want you to understand what happened. About three, about three weeks ago, there was a shift. What's that mean? There was a shift. And, and what I mean about it is the whole, it seemed like the whole atmosphere began to change. And we went from a season of, of um, maybe uncertainty or unrest to a shift of peace and joy. And it was like a, a, a calm entered into the place, into my life, into, I believe, this place. There's been a shift. And I want to bring you all up to speed and help you, help, help you understand there's been a shift in the atmosphere. And what's that mean for us? And first of all, it means to be aware. And, and it means that it's okay to be confident and enthusiastic and joyful. Remember two weeks ago, we, uh, Pastor Scott led us in, uh, if you want joy, you must jump for it, right? And we all got to do that. It's an old song. I don't even know how long. I mean, 30, 40 years. But it's okay to be joyful and enthusiastic, that's part of the shift. But the other part was last week when we talked about, are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. I'm not trying to conjure up anything in you. I want you to understand, though, that it is time to get ready. It is time to be anticipating of something. What is it that you are wanting or anticipating, not for yourself, but in the Lord? What is it that you're looking for in, in church or in your life or in this community? I don't want it to pass you by. I want you to be fully aware that there is a shift. It's enthusiastic. It's joyful. And we need to be ready. Are you ready? Get ready. And it's not get ready. It's going to happen eventually. It's are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. I'm not going to lie to you. I was in the PA booth. And as church was starting, I'm looking. I'm like, where is everybody? And I've been saying that for like three or four weeks. And God says, get ready. Sometimes I don't know what to preach on Sundays because I don't want to share with you everything that I've been encountering all week long. But, uh, but here's something that I just encountered this last week. Uh, a gentleman from Fourth and Hope that works for me came into my office, and I was kind of putting him on awares that, or on alert that I may not be as available at Fourth and Hope because I sense something getting ready to happen in the church. And so I've been really busy... Uh, uh, researching and studying and planning and, and just seeking the Lord, really. And so, and I said, but it's interesting because attendance has been really low. I'm just sharing my heart. It's been really low, and I've been really concerned because not, not because of the numbers, but because of the people I haven't seen, and, and I'm concerned for them. I, I want to know that they're taken care of and that, that there is a, a shepherding going on there. And, and so 
I've been just seeking the Lord. What do I do? What do I need to do? What would you like me to do? And so, but I was sharing with him that, but in the midst of all that questioning and concern, I've been, had this odd sense of peace and enthusiasm and this anticipation of, are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. And I was sharing this with him and, and he looked at me and, and he wouldn't profess to be a prophet, but he looked at me and he says, it's about ready to explode, isn't it? And that was confirmation from other things that I've heard. And it's just, and I'm telling you, something's about ready to happen. Pastor, I've heard all that before. I I don't know what you've heard before. I just am telling you what I really am sensing in my spirit. And, And that's where the message last week was, we are the hope that cries out in the dark. And, and it's time to get ready because the time is now. And so that's what led me into studying this week and, and really what's that look like. And, and honestly, we've been in Acts, and, and as we've been going through the book of Acts, what I saw in, in Paul, who we're really looking at his life right now and all the missionary journeys that he's been taking, and, and we're in, in the second missionary journey of Paul now, he was ready In fact, every time he landed in a city, the first place he went was to the synagogue to proclaim truth because he felt like they weren't speaking truth. They didn't feel like he knew they weren't speaking truth, and he needed to set them straight. So he wouldn't go to um, the ones that the Gentiles and the hurting and the lost. He went right to the religious leaders and say, hey, look, there's a new message. It's the true message, and you need to get it because he knew if he could turn their hearts, he could change the entire city, because people were already looking to those leaders for spiritual direction. And, and, and so Paul, he was ready. The minute he docked into port, he was to the synagogue, and he began to minister. He began to preach truth. Are you ready? He was ready. He was getting ready, I'm sure, all the way to port or all through his travels. And as soon as he arrived, the time was now. And, and I'm sure, you know, and, and here's the thing with Paul. He came under a lot of attack in the midst of it all. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was cursed. There was a lot of things that happened. But in his time of readiness, he got to a place where he had such resolve that regardless of what happened in his life, he continued to go to the synagogue and come against the ones that would re, were, in my mind, the most resistant to truth. Because he was ready and willing, and he went. How did he ready himself? Are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. How do we ready ourselves? Well, I, I want to talk about two things today. One is we have to abide. Abide is, is one that if you've been in church for a long time, you're like, oh, I get that. I know what abide means, but if you're new to church, you may not even know what that word means, abides. Everybody say abide. Abide is an interesting term, and we're going to look at it a little later. If, you, if you're following the, our, our Facebook page, 
we've been putting up a devotion every day for, and we're going to do it for 40 days. And, and this one for today is all about abide. So I encourage you, go there and you'll see it. But one is abide, and the second one is set your sights on the realities of heaven. Are you ready? Get ready. How do you get ready? You need to abide and set your sights on the realities of heaven. What are the realities of heaven for you? In Acts chapter 17, Paul was traveling and and he ended up in a place where there was a lot of religious uh, uh, professors or learners. It was in a a place where they, they actually wanted to know all the gods. They wanted to study all the gods. In fact, the Holy Spirit revealed to him as he's in this place that there was idols everywhere. And, and Paul became very aware of the idols in that city. And as he saw these idols, he, was, he recognized another idol that had been established, and it was the idol to the unknown God. And you might remember this in Acts 17 if you've read it before, but the Holy Spirit really started to direct uh, a Paul in that time. And so as he was sharing Christ as being that you guys worship all these other idols and and, and you're looking for these things to provide meaning to life and to set you free from bondage and to help you with your issues. But there's an unknown God. And this is the God Paul wanted to tell them about. And as I was reading this today or this week, what I noticed is it says, this is what, will, uh, this is what I wrote. This is what will happen today. What is happening today? Today, everybody is looking to other idols and to other gods. They're looking for other solutions and other answers to their needs. It's much like what was going on in this city. They were worshiping these other idols and looking to these other things to help them through life, to get them through another day. But what is going to happen is there's going to be a day where they're going to recognize that all those gods fall short of meeting the true need that comes that is in life today. And we have that answer. This is what we will experience today. People will look to the unknown God, to our God. But you have to be ready to share it. Are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. We need to abide. What's it mean to abide? What you'll find in your devotion today, and I'll read it to you, is in Psalms 27, 14, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This, third, third, this Tuesday, the third Tuesday, 6.30 at night again, I'll, I'll make the announcement. We're going to be here abiding, waiting on the Lord, praying and seeking him. Why? Because I want to be a part of the time is now. I don't want to see it pass us by. Not because I, I want to selfishly participate in it, but I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be a part of helping people come to know the reality of how much God loves them. I want to be a part of the answer. I want to be used by God. Who wants to be used by God? 
Isn't it awesome to be used by God? We want to be used by the Lord. We want to be a part of the solution. But it starts with us abiding in Him. John 15.4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No No more can you expect or accept you abide in me. Let me read it again. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you accept you abide in me. Wait, abide. In the current day, these two words are not necessarily welcomed, waiting and abiding. Who likes to wait? Who likes to sit quietly? Have you ever met anybody, and maybe you're this person that has to stay so active all the time that you can't, that if if there's any quiet, if there's any time that it's just you alone with your thoughts, you grow uneasy because you'd be forced to consider life You'd be forced to consider your position with the Lord. And and today I see so much activity. I see people struggling just to focus their thoughts on where they're at in their life. Abiding and waiting is just that. It's stopping for a moment and considering where are you at in the Lord. When years ago, I can remember we had rented this home and, and in the backyard it had this old, old grapevine. And it was overgrown. And, uh, and I'm sure there's a season that you're supposed to prune them, and, and I'm sure I wasn't pruning it in the right season. But pruning it was to trim it back because it was just growing over. And I was so impressed because as they talk about this in Scriptures and use the, the, the vine as such an example of, of us being in Christ, as I was out there trimming this, this vine, I was taken back because when I, when I would cut a branch off, Literally, water would pour out. It was just full of life. It would not stop running. And as I'm underneath this thing, I was getting all wet from cutting all these limbs off this vine because there was so much life that flowed through that vine. And until those branches were cut off, they were, they were receiving the nutrients and the water and all that was needed to sustain them. The minute they were cut off, that which was flowing through the vine no longer, no longer could reach them. Here's some truth in that, though. For you that are, that are saying, you know what, I feel separate from, from the vine. But it's not because the vine quit flowing. It's not because the vine was no longer present. It's because you became cut off from it. The truth is the vine still had deep roots still had provision of life. I've had times in my life where I didn't feel as close to the vine, where I felt a little dry, a little misplaced, a little out of touch. Then focus your thoughts on waiting and abiding, coming back in union with him again. Is that where you're at? Are you ready? Get ready the time is now. Well, I'm not ready because I just I can't even hear his voice anymore. Then abide. Take time. Focus your thoughts. Cut off the things that are distracting you. Find your quiet place. 
find even I, I remember the old stories and and people actually going into a closet, a quiet place where they could close the door and and it would cut them off from all the madness around them. What is that place for you? It's important to find it. Purpose in yourselves today even as you leave this place. I'm going to purpose this week to find a place where I can abide. Why? Get ready. The time is now. That's the why. There's going to be a calling. There's going to be, hey, it's time. They're here. Are you ready? Well, I I didn't really take time out to abide. So I feel dry, unprepared. So no, I'm not quite ready. This This is the encouragement today. Get ready. Abide. Take time. Find your quiet place. Go there and seek Him. And more than just seek Him, listen to Him. Listen to Him. My quiet place is not so quiet. My quiet place is on a John Deere mower. But for me, that's my quiet place. Because it's kind of like NASCAR racing. You just keep going in circles. So you don't have to think much. Just go in circles. But I can focus my thoughts upon Him. What is your quiet place? Abide in Him. Today, it's a struggle. I get it. We're so busy, fast-paced, multitasking, running this kid from that place to the next place, trying to get laundry done, trying to get the dishes done. Oh, i got to go to work. We've got a lot going on. But take time to abide. The Athenians were very much into staying active in seeking out a god. They had many gods they were seeking out. None of them were fulfilling or meeting their needs. That's why they were so interested. And when Paul started to present to them that there's this unknown God, let me talk to you about this unknown God. Because they were unfulfilled in their seeking of other gods, they were quick to hear what he was saying about the unknown God. And not just to hear initially, but they wanted to bring him back so he could teach them more about the unknown God. This will happen. This will be a need. You will be called upon to teach people about the unknown God, the God that brings life and life abundant, one that brings eternal life, not just making it in life here on earth, but living in an eternal life in heaven forever. People will look to you to point them to the unknown God, God our Father. Now, who are we? This week in my devotion reading, I came across Colossians 3, and, and it was a good devotion time. But I couldn't shake it free, and usually that means I need to go back to it and read it again and again and again. And so today in Colossians 3 is where I want to take you. And this is, leads us into the second part of readying ourselves. We go from abiding to setting our sights on the realities of heaven. Verse 1 says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Who in here can say, I have been raised to new life with Christ? Who has a new life in Christ? 
then set your realities or your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And this goes on. It's in the New Living Translation. And I'm going to take time to read through this with you today. And hang on. If you've got your Bibles with you, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'm in verse 2. It says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Remember last week we talked about Paul and Silas in their dungeon and their prison cell? They were in an ugly place, but I still contend that they did not see the place they were in because they had set their sights on heaven, not on earthly things. They had their eyes on heavenly things. If you've been raised to new life with Christ, think about things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. What's, what, what's coming is this. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the world, to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. When I said I didn't want to miss out, that's what I don't want to miss out on, is when he is revealed to the whole world. What's your world? What's the world you run in every day? What is the world that you interact with every day? The reality of him is going to be revealed to them. Do you want to be involved in the glory of that? Because when that you get to participate in that, share, it says share in his glory. We, we've seen some of that, but it's not going to be the same scale as what we've seen. Because the, the enemy is not operating at the same level he operated. It's a new level, which means a greater glory. And we get to share in the greater glory glory. Are you ready? Get ready. Because the time is now. And we get to share in that. Share in that glory. How? What do we have to do? It says in verse 5, put to death. Put to death. Choose to have a funeral and bury these things. The sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Why is the anger of God coming? Because these are the workings of the devil. These are the things that separate us from him. He does not like these things. And so that is why he is a just God. And his justice will come and put those things to death. Don't participate in that which he hates. Participate in how much he loves you. And in the things that he loves. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. 
But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Verse 9, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. This is part of why we need to be baptized. We, we are choosing to show people that we are believers and that we have a faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again. But we also are putting down the old man. We're stripping off the old nature, the old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And it says in verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your, recre- your creator and become like him. Put on your new nature. Now, in the New Living Translation, it doesn't say he will put on you a new nature. He's saying choose to put on a new nature. Choose you this day whom you will serve. We have a choice to put on this new nature. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. But things happen, and then other things begin to matter in our life. And and we grow afraid. Even Paul, when he was doing all these things. There's a time he's in Ephesus, and, and, and I don't know his mind, but I can imagine at some point in time, you don't read a lot about it in Scripture, although it's revealed in some of his letters, he must have grown uneasy and, and in some ways frustrated or tired. I mean, he was constantly persecuted. And, and for us, we're saying, well, I've never been beaten for my belief in Christ. Well, I I contend that you have. It wasn't a physical beating. It might have been emotional. It may have been social. And and I'm sure it broke him down and wore him out. But in the midst of that, God was faithful and, and loving to Paul as he is to you. In Acts 18, verse 9, the Lord speaks to Paul. What's interesting, if you have a red-letter version Bible, there's not a lot of red until you get to here in, in the previous chapters. And Jesus says to Paul, don't be afraid. So Paul's at a low moment, at a time where he's undecided what to do. And Jesus speaks to him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, Now, Paul, his very nature, that's what he needed to hear. He was a zealous man. He's the guy you want on your team because he takes very little encouragement to get him going again. But all Jesus had to say, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. Man, imagine the encouragement that started to well up within Paul. Are you in a place where you need to be encouraged? Encouraged about your faith. When the pastor says, are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. It's like, ugh. What's that even mean? What are you asking of me? Don't be afraid. I heard a message this last week that, that anger is usually the result of fear. 
And, and so when you, when you start to hear someone say, church, are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. It's like, oh, I want to choke you. No, it's because of fear. Fear is saying, no, we can't really step into this unknown. No, we, we can't venture into a, an uncomfortable place. Change, no change. Who loves change? Unfortunately for you, I like change. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I, I know that when I go through growing pains, which I, it hurts to grow. But you have to have change in order to grow. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. And don't be afraid. If you find yourself angry, look back at the fear that's bringing on the anger. Don't be afraid. Why? As he told Paul, he says, don't be afraid. Speak out. Do. Speak out. Say how much God loves people. Tell people the truth. Don't be silent. For what? He's telling Paul, and he would say to you too, I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. You're in a safe place. In, in Ephesus, there was other believers that, that were his allies that believed as he believed. Guess what, church? A church is like that. Don't be afraid because there's many people here that believe the same thing as you. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. Jeremiah 1.8 says, And don't be afraid of the people. For I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. The same Lord that spoke, let there be light, is the same Lord that says, I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Be courageous. Be confident. Back in Colossians. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. None of the fear matters. None of the past understanding or failure. That's, sometimes we begin to understand so much about our past failures that we can't understand what God's doing in our future. We spend so much time looking back on past failures that we can't look forward to the breakthrough that he wants to bring. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. What's in you? Is it all Christ? Verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What do we need to do? We need to get ready, clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then verse 13, because as the harvest comes, be ready for this. Are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. Here's what it is. 
make allowance for each other's faults. Huh? And forgive anyone who offends you. Huh? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Pastor, are you serious right now? You talked about anger a few minutes ago. Oh, my goodness. What do you mean I have to make allowances and forgive? That doesn't mean compromise your, your desire to please your, your loving Father in heaven. No, but that means, I mean, <laughs> we are in a season of offense. Just turn on the news. Everybody is so offended at other people. Not at their own issues, but at other people. If you're going to be offended, be offended by that which is in you that is separating you from your loving Father in heaven. Be quick to forgive everyone else. Because if you don't, then you're not necessarily carrying Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if you're going to be ready, then the people that come are going to be wanting to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not wanting, they needing to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are you ready? Are you making allowances? Are you forgiving one another? Get ready. Take them as they come. Forgive. The time is now. When? Now. Are you ready? I got chills, so this must be the Holy Spirit because that's how it works in me. Think about it. Think about it. When you were in your worst place, before you knew that Christ loved you like you know that today, what did you need more than anything was to see Christ in somebody, the hope of glory for you. Now, you are that somebody. That somebody that will allow anybody and everybody to encounter Christ in you, the hope of glory. The other day, I'm at our shelter, and one of our outreach workers, and pray for Fourth and Hope's outreach workers. They are literally on the front line every day in the bushes, in the hotels, out talking to those that are that are fully loaded and homeless. And they are hurt. And they are hungry. And they are bitter. They are literally destroyed, but they have a breath, which means there's hope. And then we send out these outreach workers to go out and encounter them and to confront them and to love on them. And guess what they receive back in return? Foul language, cursing, spitting, rejection. And they, they face it every single day. I'm there the other day, and one of the workers comes in, and she's just beside herself because 
the gentleman across the street had his dog out there in the rain, and, and she didn't know whose dog it was, so she put it in her car just to protect it from the weather. And then he, she gets cussed out because she's stealing the dog, and, and then she tries to confront and help. What happens is just more cursing and more ugliness is coming out. It, it wasn't meant to be personal. And we get so caught up focusing on the personal, we forget about the eternal. For him, it's an eternal battle that's going on right now. There's eternal life and there's eternal death, and he's on track for eternal death. And the enemy wants to hold him there. And if we can't get over the personal, we can't address the eternal, make allowances for those that are on path for eternal death. Forgive those that are distracting you and focusing you on the personal and not the eternal. Because it's serious. It's not playing games any longer. Are you ready? Get ready. The time is now. Why does my heart break when people aren't here? It's because I'm not sure where they're at eternally. My, my concern is, is that are they encountering his presence? Because I know if they're in his presence, their lives will begin to change for the eternal. And it's not me. It's us. That's the church. The church is not a person. It's persons. Plural. It's not a building. It's persons. Plural. Church. There's been a shift. It's time to now be joyful and enthusiastic about the eternal. It's time to be hope crying out in the dark. It's time to say, we're ready. We want to do it for him. We don't want to be personal anymore. We want to be eternal minded. We want to abide in him and focus our thoughts, our sights on heavenly things. All that we do ought to be done as if Christ was doing it. Christ walked as man. And for three years in ministry, he walked it out, not personally, but with the weight of eternity on his shoulders. And then as he goes to be with his father, as it says here, to sit at his right hand. He released us to go out and not to save people, but to go out and tell people about him. To be hands and feet of Jesus. And we don't go alone. We get to abide in him and let the Holy Spirit work out within us all the things that that need to be our offenses. Not the offenses of others, but the things within us that are offending us, that are causing us to be separated from him, causing us to not be able to worship fully and wholeheartedly for him. So what do we do? It says in verse 14, above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. What is church? Church is that place where everybody's allowed 
and nobody if, if is offending us, and, and we're just going to love on them. Clothe yourself with love, and, by, and, it, and, and that's what binds us together with what? Perfect harmony. When we get together as a church, it should be harmonious. This last Tuesday, I was at a coffee place with a gentleman from the church, and he and I are talking about, uh, it, was, it was our quasi-director meeting, but it was just the two of us, and, and in walks, walks Kenny and his brother, and guess what we did there? We had church. It was harmonious, having church right there. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill our lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. You're His representative. Are you ready? Why are you here today? Are you ready? Would you stand? Please. Since God is, when it comes to us, is a gentleman comes to sin, he's just flat out going to destroy it. But when it comes to us, he's a gentleman. And he allows us to choose. He allows us to choose what clothes we're going to wear today. Are we going to clothe ourselves with the same thing that we used to clothe ourselves with before we were in him? Are we going to clothe ourselves with new clothing? new attitudes, a new way. Not one that's different from Him, but one that is in Him and all that He is and all that He has for us. It, ultimately with love. had many discussions about with myself and the Lord and with others maybe what are we to do God what, what do you want us to do and, and here's what he has put in my heart Doug you guys won't build the church you will just steward it I will build the church alright God I got it okay that means that I'm not the one that needs to go out and, and, and just make people go to church. You're going to do that as the Holy Spirit moves them. 
But I have to be ready for them when they come. Because that's what being a steward's all about. So, so Doug, are you ready? Get ready. <laughs> are you ready? This church, we won't build it. We're not called to build it. We're called to steward it. And how do we do that? We love on people, regardless of who they are and where they came from. And not just saying, hey, I love you. No, it's, it's, it's a full embrace. We love you. Let us help take you to a better place. A place that says, regardless of what prison I'm in, our thoughts and our eyes are on heavenly things. Your circumstances have nothing to do with who you are. You are who God made you to be. That's how we, we can love on people and welcome them. And that's what this message is about today is church. He's going to build it. He is going to build it. He's looking to say, are you ready? Will you steward it? Get ready. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. With love. How, how, how are you going to clothe yourself for church on Sunday? There was a day that, that you had to wear a, just to be on this stage pastor that day, who was my grandfather, said you had to at least have a tie on. And, if, and women had to have closed-toed shoes and skirts or dresses. I mean, that's how they clothed themselves for church. And I'm not saying that's how we'll clothe ourselves. What I'm going to say is this. If you're going to come to church, put on your Sunday best. And your Sunday best is this. Making allowances, no offenses, and an abundance of love. Next Sunday, come wearing your Sunday best. That's the beginning of stewarding his building. Can you join me in that? Who's going to join me in that? Are, are you going to are you going to commit to stewarding his church? As we sing this last song, I, I have to open up the altar. I have to. You know why? Because the thing that the Holy Spirit stopped me on earlier has to be dealt with. Oh, don't go there, Pastor. No, we have to. We have to. Eyes fully open and fully aware. Look at me. What are the things in your life that you need to make allowances for? Prejudice, division, issues have become the things that have kept you from clothing yourself the way he wants to. And then forgiveness. Oh, that's such a hard one. But it's a choice. 
Will you forgive? Because if you don't, you're going to see others that were ready, got themselves ready, and shared in the glory of now.